The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. Good morning, Long Island. Welcome to DDI on Autism on 103.9 FM. Keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community, I'm your host, Dr. Michael Romas. And once again, so glad that you can join us this morning as we share and explore all relevant issues related to autism spectrum disorder. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue our conversation with our guests, uh, Dr. Richard Timo, the supervising licensed psychologist for DDI's Adult Service Program, and Ms. Rana Babbery, uh, the behavioral specialist and training coordinator for DDI's Children's Day Program, by the way, with over 23 years of clinical experience. Guys, I'd like to kind of pick up where we left. Uh, uh, where we left off last week and talk about now talk about the importance of uh, having a, a research review committee at uh, as DDI does, uh, who is charged as a, uh, essentially with approving and uh, disapproving uh, certain proposals based on uh, quite a few important considerations that we have as a as a group um, codified in a, uh, in an application. So. Let's, let's go there. Let's talk about some of those considerations uh, around what what gets approved uh, in, in, at DDI. Okay. Well, thanks for having us back. Well, pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for coming back. I think as a committee, our most recent uh, charge has been to work on the application process mm-hmm. to make sure that we're encompassing everything that needs to be addressed and critically reviewed. But as we you know, discussed previously, we serve uh, and support many different people with very individualized needs. And there are also a lot of other agencies that do similar things. So the first charge is that we really want to make sure that the research that we are reviewing and approving is consistent with the mission and core values of DDI. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's really key and critical because it might be better for another uh, organization to be looking at, towards that research or another educational body. Um, so really, that, that's one of the key uh, issues that we address. But along with that, we want to consider where's the research coming from. You know, number one item is, uh, who is this investigator? What's their affiliation? Uh, is there a relationship to DDI? Uh, as Rana mentioned uh, uh, last week, uh, many times we do get some students from different uh, uh, educational uh, colleges, either undergraduate, graduate, or postgraduate. And many of those students are um, employees of DDI. And in addition to serving many individuals and supporting many individuals, DDI also uh, employs quite a number of individuals. And many of them are interested in research as well, either to pursue their education or to really make sure that they're, they're doing some uh, good work uh, and using the best practices uh, in the, the supports and services that they, they offer. Um, does that does that fact that s- some of the research that comes through our, our forum uh, comes from our, our employees, does that add uh, a layer of um, complexity to the approval process? I mean, do we uh, hold the same rigor and same standard for our employees uh, as we do for outside proposals? Absolutely. The guidelines that we utilize for all proposals have to remain the same. Um, We have to remain impartial in reference to the decisions that we make, making sure we adhere to um, ethical norms. 
uh, make sure that the research has a level of um, truth and um, we have to avoid errors within the research um, proposal and we also have to be kept abreast upon approval um, in reference to the findings and how that will affect uh, treatment and intervention in the field and within our agency. So DDI definitely has a process uh, around uh, submitting proposals and, and, and doing research. And, you know, as a committee, we've been actively proceduralizing this more and more and uh, uh, making it uh, uh, clear and, and equitable to anybody who might be interested. But why don't we take a few minutes and, and talk about the process itself. If someone, someone wants to do research uh, at DDI, well, how do they begin? What, what do they do? Well, there, there is some information on the uh, Developmental Disabilities Institute website, and that's a good place to start. Uh, there is uh, a new application uh, for approval to conduct research, and that could include uh, either an expedited review and or a full review, but we're really looking at the same components in those reviews. Um, basically, we want to make sure that everyone's following the same process and the same procedure, and that we're looking at everything in, in, in the big, bigger picture, making sure that it's in line with all the other research that's happened previously, and uh, that we're not, of course, duplicating any efforts, and that we're making sure that we're supporting the investigator. Uh, and if that does happen to be an employee, that they're also getting some support uh, from their uh, supervisor uh, and or uh, professor if it's, a, if it's a student. So that's pretty much where it starts. It does. And you've raised a couple of important uh, points, I think. Uh, well, first, I think our listeners would, would probably want to understand uh, uh, the difference, you know, between the standard process and an expedited, an expedited uh, review. And also, you make an interesting comment about not wanting to duplicate, uh, uh, you know, efforts. And I, I, would, I would certainly agree with you, uh, although, although I guess... I would weigh that against also the need for not duplication, but replication of, uh, of results, which I think, especially in our field, we probably could use uh, a little bit more of. But what I would ask you guys to do is just, if you would, just take a few minutes and explain to, for our listeners what an expedited review is and how, who would be el eligible for an expedited uh, review. Okay, I'd be happy, sure. There are certain considerations that we've kind of uh, uh, tagged to... Uh for consideration of an expedited review. And those, of course, would be uh, in the areas of relationship and affiliation to DDI. Uh, are they a known entity? Are they a credible entity? Uh, another issue would be, have they been involved in any previous research? And if so, was that research credible? Mm -hmm. uh, how did it go in the past? Uh, likewise, is it a continuation of some prior research? Mm. Uh, you know, if those three factors are... Uh, positive and in good standing, it's likely that we could consider an expedited review based on those three alone. But then we would go on. We would look at the purpose. Uh, is it a class project? Is it something that uh, someone hopes to share on a larger scale? And what would that mean uh, for the individual, for the individuals involved, as well as for the organization? <clears throat> and then what's, what's the procedure? What are they actually looking to do? Is it something that is um, uh, non-intrusive? If they're looking at anything that's biometric, mm. usually that's a red flag that we probably would not put it through as an expedited review. Uh, so the least intrusive uh, um, applications would probably be more uh, usually considered for an expedited review. Um, we'd also look at participant involvement. Is it going to be disruptive in any way to the classroom, the program, or the home environment of the individual? 
Uh, and another really important uh, piece of it is the data. We need to make sure the data is de-identified. Mm -hmm. So that basically means we don't want to be able to uh, allow people that are not affiliated with the study to have any idea who did participate or to have any knowledge or uh, information about those individuals. So an, ex an expedited review really becomes a fast track, potentially, but based on fulfillment of some very, very important criteria uh, are, that weighs uh, the merit of the research, uh, as well as the credibility of the researchers, but most importantly, against potential intrusion on both programming efforts and the individuals we support. So of the many items that you, that you guys are sharing, I think the one that is resonating, at least with me as, as a psychologist as well, is this idea of intrusion in the world of a vulnerable population. And that would certainly be, I think, perhaps the strongest consideration around what kind of and the depth of the conversation necessary to greenlight a, a proposal. Does that resonate with you too, Rana? Absolutely. Um, and when we do an expedited review or we consider um, a proposal for expedited review, that is not a reflection of us overseeing um, overlooking anything Good. Um, Good. by any means. We are still looking for all the components that need to exist in um, best practices in reference to research, um, the processes as far as protecting the rights of the individuals if it is a human subject research, making sure that uh, we maintain confidentiality with all the elements mm -hmm. that have to exist within research, looking into the risks and benefits of what the proposal may bring to the table. Um, so we do look at all of that. It's just the processes are somewhat different, slightly different, I should say. No, you, you make such a good point, Rana, because the considerations are all the same. Uh, the process is different only based on uh, fulfillment of criteria earlier in the game. So really, the, 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 all the considerations uh, uh, remain in place. Uh, you know, it's funny, I've, I've been on the committee uh, like yourselves for, for some time, and I, I can say um, it's very rare, frankly, that I've observed an expedited uh, review. It, it, usually there's, sometimes it's the smallest point, but in general, uh, participants on the committee want to weigh in, and they want to tease things out and make sure that there's a real clear uh, and thorough consensus before, before going forward. So, you know, that, that's the note I think I'd like to, uh, you, know, you know, come back on. I want to talk a little bit more about some of the other considerations around uh, research approval. Our guests are Dr. Rich Timo and Rana Battery. The subject is research, and we'll be right back. Long Island, you're listening to DDI on Autism on 103.9 FM. Keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Romas, and our conversation continues. Our guests are Dr. Richard Timo and Ms. Rana Barberi, and the conversation is all around uh, research. So let me begin. You know, uh, you know, it seems that periodically uh, a DDI program is asked to consider the adoption of new, different interventions or teaching approaches. Frequently, this occurs following reports in the media and or testimonials from families who report dramatic improvements as a result of a particular practice. 
when this occurs, the research review committee may be asked to assess whether the approach meets the, the stated uh, uh, criteria that we've been talking about throughout the show. So, guys, uh, Dr. Tima, uh, Timo uh, Arana, um, what's your response to that? What, 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 what is, what's your response to that? You raise a very valid point. Um, just because we see research doesn't mean that it's always reputable. Uh, we need to consider different factors. Sometimes it could be a single subject design, where maybe for that one individual there was a success, but in that case we would want to replicate that and learn more about it. Uh, sometimes things may be under-researched or even poorly researched. So what we really want to do is not only have a committee that's functioning well for internal uh, research proposals, but also to be a resource so that we can really help and guide uh, families of individuals in making some decisions in, in terms of whether or not things are worthwhile uh, in participating in. Yeah, I, I genuinely appreciate the way you frame that because DDI should see itself, it certainly is uh, that resource uh, to guide those kind of considerations. And, you know, there really are some impediments or some challenges around evaluating uh, research uh, objectively, especially if someone is new to that effort. Uh, when you look at uh, the kind of uh, media attention that untried and unproven uh, 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 treatment efforts often gain, I think that could be a little dazzling uh, to people who are out there, perhaps uh, looking for uh, maybe a silver bullet, and uh, that becomes uh, becomes prob- problematic. Uh, do, do you agree? Part of me always said um, you can't blame a person for wanting answers and for, for wanting to find something that could potentially be a benefit to their child. Um, And our role, our moral responsibility in providing innovative and exceptional services is to base our practices and interventions on evidence, on research, on what has proven to be the most effective for the population that we serve. And when we are asked to consider um, or adopt certain practices or treatment approaches that might have been highlighted in social media without much support behind it, uh, we want to make sure that we are a support service to the families and we provide them with strategies that can be effective in helping them address some of the challenges that they face in the home and community settings. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, you, you, during the break, I, or, or, and earlier uh, with you, Ron, especially, I had promised not to, not to uh, allow this conversation to get political. But I will say one thing. In a world of fake news and disinformation, I wonder and hope that we're more sensitized to the possibility that some of what's being reported needs to be fact-checked and and further investigated. And uh, I think what may be happening politically should be informing what's happening clinically. And uh, I'm hoping especially that parents and people who might not be uh, trained clinicians, some are, but many are not, are sensitive to the, the very sad reality that just because it shows up on social media or in an article somewhere doesn't mean it's real. And doesn't mean it's factual. And that's almost the very definition of valid, uh, evidence-based, empirically sound uh, research, right? The families that we support, um, over time in the course of experience that I've had, um, they, they do have a lot of faith in our ability to support them in a variety of ways. And I think we have um, developed 
um, numerous relationships where they um, value what we say and what we provide in reference to the supports and reference to the information and reference to understanding their needs. And I think that's really important for a program to continue to develop regardless of the age of the individual that you serve is to have that continual communication and have the families feel comfortable enough approaching you about any questions they may have about regarding things that they hear out in media. I I actually agree wholeheartedly, and I like very much the way you characterize the the importance of uh, building uh, those relationships uh, with families. I I think DDI does uh, recognize that responsibility and and, and certainly sees it as a a value. But as it relates to our conversation, I think what you're suggesting is especially important because in order to provide guidance, there has to be some trust. And when a a family member comes, comes potentially comes up with or comes to you with uh, a research proposal that isn't adequately validated, isn't adequately evidence uh, uh, based. It takes the the, the trust. Uh, it does rely on the kind of trust, uh, the relational kind of piece that you're talking, you guys are talking about, in order to deliver that message that this may not be. Uh, a direction you want to go, and then to kind of kind of help in terms of you know redirecting uh, someone who's interested in potentially finding uh, good treatment. So I think there's a real you know real issue around that. You know, um, I have right in front of me uh, some guidelines uh, around uh, um, effective evidence-based strategies and how these interventions and your t- uh, teaching. Uh, strategies might be um, e- evaluated. So I'm going to urge like, you know, you know, parents and family members and students to at least consider uh, the following criteria. If you're looking at a research proposal, as we do as a committee, ask, ask, kinda, um, ask, these qu- ask them as a question or just put them forth as a, as a, as a statement. But, you know, is the research that you're considering documented in a peer-reviewed scientific journal? with demonstrated effectiveness? And it's a kind of a straightforward uh, question, but an important one. Um, has it been replicated across investigators, you know, subjects or settings? Um, are there clear written guidelines for implementation and resources for, t- for practitioners? And finally, is it going to produce positive, measurable quality of life outcomes? And that's the one I think is probably most important to us at at DDI because, again, we're not just going to entertain any research. It's got to do that last... That last piece. Would you guys agree with that? Absolutely. I think that the application is the part that's really going to make the difference. Um, And I I think that that's one reason why one of our requirements is that we have follow-up with anyone who does do research at at DDI, that they let us know about their results and the application of those results and allow us some opportunities to question uh, and maybe build upon some of what they've done. Uh, you know, from a, uh, to, to, to go back to what you mentioned uh, a little while earlier, it's certainly understandable that a family member, if they do see something in social media, uh, may cling to that as something that may be uh, a real positive for their son, daughter's, loved one's life. Uh, but I think we have to work collaboratively to make sure that, you know, we're balancing all those risks with those benefits and that we're looking at what's evidence-based. Uh, and how we can take the application of that research so that we can really uh, add some value to the lives of the individuals that we support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the operative word there, for me anyway, uh, Dr. Timo, is definitely uh, collaboration. I genuinely uh, am grateful that you brought up the uh, 
the issue of researchers researchers who would use uh, you know uh, our, our facilities and our potential subject pool you know coming back and reporting uh, on their on their research I think that's essential in terms of outcome we want our staff principally uh, to benefit from the good work that's being done, and then also eventually to open up that feedback and those results uh, to families. And that can occur, in, uh, I guess, in different ways. I mean, one would be in articles and postings online, but there's also something nice about coming together in a live setting and having the researcher really talk about their work directly uh, with us. So we've been trying to kind of stress that more and more. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done a lot of, uh, I mean, we've approved a lot of uh, uh, different re- different proposals at DDI, and actually, that new piece, that 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 footnote of actually coming back and presenting, is we're just kind of launching a little bit, a little bit of that more and more. It could be poster boards, right? Right, Dr. Tim. It could be something as simple as that. Many ways to share. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, my th- first of all, I, I want to take a moment and, and, and thank our guests who are quite experienced in the area of research for informing this topic. And I like the note in which we've concluded because my hope would be that the many researchers who come through our table will um, spend the time and actually... In fact, actually maybe come in on our show and do some presentations on their work, especially if it's cutting edge, especially if it's around comorbidities, as we talked about last week. If it's cutting edge and it has real relevance to our field, I know I would welcome uh, researchers back to DDI on autism to to report on the results and uh, inform the literature. So thank you. You're listening to DDI on autism. Thank you, Dr. Tima and Rana Leiberry. and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.